listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Welcome to the Uloft Podcast. This is Michael Bond, and today I'm being joined by Caleb Fugate and Julia Buggy. Part two, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the yeets. The yeets. The yeets. You're I'm trying them. to like embrace my like growing up in small town Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say that yeah. that did sound very Pennsylvanian. It it, yeah. Well, I am. <laughs> Yeah, we start saying yins, and then you're officially a Pittsburgher. <laughs> yeah, I live, so living in the, this has nothing to do with the podcast, but we're going to go for it anyway. When living in the South for three years, and oh, I actually yeah, did say yins when I, you know, when I lived up here and grew up here. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. I wasn't a yinzer. And I occasionally slip out, but I say y'all way more okay, often now, because okay. living in the South. I actually said yins one time when I was in North Carolina working at a church, and they were like, you can't see my face, but I made a like, very confused face. Um, <laughs> they had no idea what that meant because right. it's not a contraction of any words whatsoever. No, nope. so. not in the least. It ends you ends. Ends <laughs> is not a word. Ends. So, yeah. I don't know how it started. Maybe people were just really cold one day and they were just sort of walking and I don't know. They <laughs> like just... shivering and they couldn't get their words out. Ends. Ends. Since you guys, uh, obviously, you can't see this, we're we're sitting, we're all sitting in a closet that's probably like, I don't know, six feet. Uh, <laughs> by three? Six, six by three. <laughs> so, it's not very large. But uh, it has the best acoustics in the entire building, and I'm I'm a little obsessed with Julia's it. Julia's so. laugh sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, <podcast>. no. <laughs> <laughs> Your eardrums are going to be hurting after My using these microphones. <laughs> So, um, we're off to a good start. We are. <laughs> we need a king. That's where we need <laughs> we to go. Need <laughs> well, we need a king. Hear ye. <laughs> so, here's something that I think everybody's dealing with right now in this cultural climate. And you touched on this a lot during your sermon at United, Caleb. So, we can maybe unpack it a little bit. And let's just talk about places where we're seeing it happen, uh, either politically or culturally. But this idea of each person being right in their own eyes, mm. uh, this the, the subjectivity and the rejection of of an objective morality or of objective truth, and this embracing of well, I want I want to believe this, therefore you need to give equal credence to this belief that I want to believe, right. or else you're being bigoted against me. Yeah, and so so what are some places where I mean this is a tough problem because this is this problem is latching on to a real problem of human bigotry that goes back from the beginning i mean you know we've we've been wrestling with this issue forever but now we have this pathological kind of uh identity centered uh i i want my beliefs to matter as much as everybody else's mm. beliefs and it's latching on to the right. to the bigotry problem and it's making it very difficult to address real problems because yeah. we have to deal with all of these perceived problems. Yeah. So let's just talk a little bit about where you're seeing this happen and maybe what we can do about it. Well, one thing that it's like, it's easy for me as a pastor and as a Christian to look at society and say, well, society really sucks, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I shouldn't be shocked by that. It's like the world does what the world wants to do, at least from a Christian perspective. Um, 
But what is so dangerous is, like, this has come into the church. Like, I remember, especially in the political venue, it's like, you know, the election is coming up um, in just a few days. It seemed, not just seems like it is, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's like, I I saw something on Facebook that just, like, really, like, made my heart sink as a pastor. Um, And someone had said, every Christian needs to vote for, in this case, it was the Republican Party. And then the reasons why were they had a list of scriptures that were about like protecting freedoms and caring for the unborn and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, great. I'm glad you're reading its scriptures. But one of the poor things, it's like me as a pastor cringes because it's like you've taken every single one of those verses out of context. And not that they're not wrongly used, but it's like um, from the other side of the table, I could easily put up a list of Bible verses to say, mm-hmm. this is why you should vote for this political party instead right. of the other one. And here's 10 scriptures, right? And we've taken the Bible and we have used the Bible instead of being used by the Bible. Right. And it's like, I can do Mm -hmm. whatever I want with the Bible and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, savvy enough as a pastor and has been in school long enough to make it say whatever I want it to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's Mm -hmm. a danger for that for pastors, but we as Christians, like in society these days, especially around the election, it's like, I'm going to vote for this party because the Bible says so. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, what happens when the other party claims the same thing? Yeah. Right? Like, what do you do? Right. Like, and what does the rest of the world see from Christians mm-hmm. who are doing this very thing? Right. It reminds me of Mel's question. Let me see if I can word it almost like he said it. It was like, will you filter your faith through politics or will you allow your politics to craft your faith? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, and we, such a question. It is extremely dangerous to create these sort of low resolution ideologies that are that are built around your particular political candidate and then call yeah. that your religion right, right. and <clears throat> i mean yeah there's that's certainly a, a big issue that's happening and it causes so so here's an example of uh, maybe one where what i think it does is when, when you bring something down to such a low resolution like that, you end up losing some things that you yeah. really mm-hmm. don't want to lose. Like mm-hmm. the and, actual picture. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. So, like, here's an example of why that's a bad idea. If you're listening to this and you happen to be doing that, you shouldn't, and this is why. This is one of the reasons why. So imagine you say, okay, I'm a, re- I'm a Republican because I'm a Christian, or I'm a Christian because I'm a Republican. <laughs> and um, I think a lot of people do. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you have the, right, the pro-life and all the rest that yeah. the Republican mm-hmm. Party uh, traditionally espouses. And, I mean, those, like you said, those ideas aren't necessarily wrong. No. But what about, for instance, being kind to foreigners? Right. right. Like mm-hmm. that's like Leviticus not... is all about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Numbers and... is all about that. And Judges actually is all about that. We were talking about Judges last week, and it's like... People look at the book of Judges and see a lot of, like, God's wrath being poured out and, like, mm-hmm. Israel losing these battles and God letting it happen. Or, like, Israel wiping out, like, entire nations. And it's like, no, God let the... F- like, if people who were from this foreign land wanted to believe in God, he'd totally let them in. Like, no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's like, Israel had huge... Pro- like, the nation of Israel had huge problems with that. Because it's like, wait, what do you mean these foreigners can come in here? They have nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Then they ruin our entire economic system. Have you heard this before? <laughs> right? They're doing bad things for our society. And God's like, nope, let them in. Right, and and so the danger, like the danger, is if you are republic, if you are a Republican before you're a Christian, you'll want to throw that out simply because the Democrats espouse that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so you'll say, well, you know, I can't, I can't be kind to foreigners because if I'm kind to foreigners, then I have to accept all these other ideas that right. Democrats right. believe in, which are patently unChristian. Yeah, and so 
this is why you don't want to put your political party before your faith, because mm-hmm. then you end up in situations where, okay, first I have to find out if I can be a Republican and believe this. Right. And if it's something that a Democrat believes, well, then I can't believe it. But if, if, if it's a scriptural idea and if it's set down in the faith mm-hmm. and you're, you're tossing it out because Democrats happen to believe it, then that's a really bad reason to toss right. it out. But mm-hmm. that's what you're stuck with if, you're, if you are making your political par- party ascendant over your yeah. obedience to God. Well, and I feel like I'm talking a lot. I apologize. No, 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 please. One I'm... of my favorite. So I went to Messiah College for my undergraduate. And it comes from the Anabaptist tradition, which, like, way back when, when, like, John Wesley and the, not John Wesley, oh my gosh, <laughs> wrong guy, Martin Luther, um, <laughs> in the 1500s, and this One guy named, like, Zwingli and these other reformers, John Calvin and the Catholic Church, and they were all fighting these wars. Um, Anabaptists were, like, these pacifist, like, often German kind of Swiss folk um, that were doing their own thing, um, and they were, like, really, like, stuck on following the word exactly that it is and the um anyway so messiah college came from this but they had a very strict like anti-affiliation to nation or government right and that's kind of why they got into a lot of trouble because it's like as these protestant churches were forming it's like you know the lutherans were german right and the if you were with john calvin you were swiss and like you Mm -hmm did things according to the government that was set up was around you, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, the Anabaptists would come around and say, no, we don't, we like, the kingdom of heaven comes before any kingdom here on earth, right? And so at Messiah College, there was no American flag flying anywhere on campus except for in the basketball stadium and on the soccer field because the NCAA required it to do sports. Wow, you're right. Right. But other than that, we didn't have it because it's like we, you know, and they would, uh, Anabaptists would never say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, because it's like, you know, when God says, don't have allegiance to anything other than me, like that becomes challenging. If you're saying I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, it's like, as far as I can tell, the flag of the United States of America is not God. And sometimes (laughs) I can tell, and some, I've never had the flag speak to me. (laughs) Um, and and sometimes God asks us to do un-American things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, and, and you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, they're trying to convince me to be a Republican or to be a Democrat, what I would say to you is that you're asking yourself the wrong question. Okay, the question is not, should I be a Republican or should I be a Democrat? When you ask yourself that question, what you end up doing is, like we were talking about before, this idea of, okay, so say that the Democrats have an idea that, that they claim, but is also a Christian idea. And you have to throw that out because they're Democrats. Mm-hmm. What you're doing in that situation, this is why people can't talk to each other anymore. Right. Because yeah. because they're they refuse to acknowledge the points of agreement that they have with the other people. Right. right? Oh, yeah. So like the, being kind to foreigners, um, and we're not saying no borders. That's not that's not really the the idea here. It's just the idea that if someone is sojourning, right? If yep. you're not just gonna like treat them sub as subhuman. Right. Yeah. Um what we're what we're trying to get across is the other side has ideas whether you're a democrat or you're, or you are a republican i can guarantee that the other side has ideas which are christian ideas and though if you're a christian those are points of contact right. where you can start agreeing with them on some things mm-hmm. yeah. so you'll hear people ask well how can somebody be a Christian and a Democrat at the same time. And I think that the reason why people ask that is because they look at all of the sort of unchristian ideas that the Democrat Party traditionally espouses 
but they will not look at the Christian ideas that they espouse. Right. And so then you end up with that situation where, well, if I can't talk to you about the parts that we agree on, we're certainly not going to be able to have a conversation about what we disagree on oh, yeah. and sort of hash that out. And then Thanksgiving happens and you, you know, it's like, what's going to happen this year around the mm. table, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. One of the, so there's this passage in Romans 12 um, that says, this is the paraphrase, but it's like, God, we need you to transform our minds from the patterns of this world, right? And like, this is one of those patterns that we get stuck in where it's like, um, the world says to live out and think like this, even like as terrible as this is, like even churches have said, you need to think like this, but it's like a renewing of the mind says, you don't have to think in the ways that the world is telling you to. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have such like a, a binary or dichotomy um, that says it's me versus them. It's like, you don't have to do that. We often do do that. Um, but like the kingdom of heaven is so much bigger than any binary that we often create with, with politics, with nations, with anything. It's like, you know, at the end of all things, every knee will bow, every tongue mm -hmm. will confess, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, yeah. not just the United States. And I'm not bashing the United States. I love it. Like, we have freedoms <laughs> here that, you know, I participate in the fact that I can live here is a wonderful thing. But it's not the kingdom of heaven. And thank God, like, I'm looking oh, out yeah. at this world and it's oh, like, yeah. I'm so glad none of our individual nations are the kingdom of heaven. Oh. I'm so glad none of our individual political systems are what heaven is going to be. I'm so glad no king, no president, no prime minister is God, right? Because if that is the case, we're in, like, deep trouble mm -hmm. like because this world right. is a dumpster fire and if that's like if that's heaven whew, we're in for some trouble <laughs> right 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 and so here's the thing too like we're we're we live in a world where each nation is kind of like its own dumpster fire <laughs> i love that yeah. phrase by the way we're been, sticking with been it, using yeah. it a lot today we'll name the podcast that this <laughs> week dumpster yeah. Fire. right yeah that's that's really good i'm gonna have to work that in somehow um, <laughs> i think we just did <laughs> um so, so imagine we have a whole planet full of imperfect nations. When we are operating from the frame of mind that we need to be searching for perfect here and in the here and now, something mm. that we humans can create that would be perfect, what we end up doing is we end up, we end up throwing away good in the pursuit of impossible. Oh, and yeah. so that's, I mean... You can talk about the problems that America has and that the United States has, but historically speaking, we are we are very, very, very well off compared to many countries yeah. throughout the course of history. And we are we are thinking and looking at throwing that away. Many people are thinking and looking at throwing that away because it falls short of perfection. Mm -hmm. And right. so this is a belief problem because the only reason it makes sense, the only reason it could even make sense to do that is because you believe that you and your people and your generation and your kings can bring forth, perfection. usher forth perfection. Yeah. That's the only reason to sort of dispense, to, to, to offhandedly dispense with good. Cancel mm -hmm. good. Right. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very bad idea. Julia, do you have anything? Sure is. I'm, I'm listening and very much just like, no, I, I feel like I'm Google eye at this conversation. <laughs> I wish people could actually see my face, but no, that's so. I don't think we could fit another person in here. I, I, I really, I really might don't be able to, think like, we sit could. them on top of the table. Yeah, they yeah. might have to sit. Yeah. On There's top some of shelves the table. behind us that they could be up in the rafters, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. 
I mean, <laughs> sorry. No, I mean, you guys are hitting the nail right on the head. I'm. You two are very, very well educated and have good vocabularies and know more than I do. So I'm, I'm just sitting here as your buffer. You're doing well so far. Thank you. You're very welcome. I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. So, so here's, a, here's another topic that we can sort of un, unravel here. Um, and this is the idea of Israel wanting to be like other nations, despite the fact that God was closer to them than he was to the other nations. And so when I think about this, I can think, well, the only reason this would make sense from their perspective is if they think that life is going to be better if they're living like the other nations. And so I'm curious, uh, what are some ways that we can show people, some practical ways that we can show people that living as a Christian is living your best life? Mm. Because we think Mm -hmm. about this living your best life thing and we think that (laughs) there's a lot of suffering in, in the, the, in your walk with Christ. But I would say that, that your suffering adds meaning to your life. It adds a dimension to your life that's just not there if you're sort of sitting on a feather bed eating peeled grapes all day and Mm -hmm. right like and just just in the lap of luxury and never being challenged with anything and uh, just like utter sort of happiness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Happiness comes and goes but you need something like meaning to get you through the suffering and to get you through the, the difficult portions of life and so I would say that despite the fact that we have to pick up our cross and and follow Christ uphill in this life, that that's still the best possible life that we could be living. We see this Mm -hmm. a lot through the Old Testament, this idea of if you obey my word and if you follow me, then you'll be blessed. And so what are some ways that we can express that Mm -hmm. to people so that Christianity is not just about... Oh, you know, don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't have premarital sex, right. all the, right. all those it's, sorts of things. It often is, well, we as Christians make it seem like that in all right. honesty. It's yeah. like not the rest, of the, I mean, the rest of the world thinks that, but it's because we think it too, I think more often right. than not. Right, So, what, two weeks, three weeks ago? I don't know. However many weeks ago, we were talking about marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And with, uh, with, um, in the relationship goal series. Um, and if you haven't noticed the rest of the world and Christians too, all of the world, unfortunately, <laughs> like, have pretty miserable marriages, right? Like, people are getting divorced at high rates. People can't stand each other. People can't live with each other. People are having kids, and then these kids are put into terrible situations, which breeds more of it, right? Like, there's... It doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope in in how we do marriages in the world right now, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think people are desperate to see something. And it's like, if Christians actually lived out what Christian marriage would look like, mm. like they would hold true and you would thrive. Like, it's not just like you're miserable mm-hmm. in the midst of your marriage, but we're stuck with each other. And not like, like if you followed the code for what like Christians, what is expected of Christians in marriage, it's like, you'll have a happy, healthy, it's not going to be perfect and you're not going to not have fights, but it will mm-hmm. be a happy and healthy marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like for a world that is like not seeing that for families that are broken because of it, which ultimately leads to a lot of other problems that are happening in society. It's like, you know, if we did this right and actually according to God's rules for it, like people thrive under it. Like mm-hmm. my parents who have been married now for, uh, what year is it? 2020? They got married in 86. So 34 years? Is that what the math is on that? Yeah. 34 mm-hmm. years yep. um, have to the best of their ability tried to live out this Christian call in their lives in marriage, right? And it hasn't been perfect. And it's the worst when you get stuck in the car and they're yelling at each other and you can't get out. <laughs> As kids, right? Family vacations. There? Yeah, the right? Horrible on the way there and the way back. But like... Or like you're driving to a picnic and everyone's like real, real upset with each other. And like... then you show up in front of other people and everything's perfect. We're literally like on the way to church yeah, and yeah. back. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or you like pause the, pause the 
argument, go to church, come back. The moment you get back in the car, resumed, right? Or it's like, yeah. we just went to church. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And then it continues to happen anyway. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the world is so desperate for something healthy in that regards, right? Yeah. The world is so desperate for seeing healthy things, and we're not doing it as Christians, actually, right now. Like, divorce rates are the exact same. Like, mm-hmm. misery and marriage for Christians is the exact same as everywhere else. And it's like, that should be one thing, as we were talking about a couple weeks ago, where it's like, you should see the positive fruits of living like this, and mm-hmm. we just don't. Yeah, and then the cool thing about this, too, is um, the data supports what Caleb is saying, even from a secular context. Couples who commit to marriage and get married tend to be more financially stable and they tend to have better markers for mental health as well. And so you can look into this yourself as far as like, maybe you need some extra motivation to get married apart from the fact that you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) want to get married. I don't know. (laughs) You want to have a healthy life? I guess have a healthy marriage. Yeah. And then, you know, we're not saying that it's a panacea and that it's going to solve everything for you, but it is the case that that toxicity really works to undermine faith and the you know the more you sort of i remember before i was a christian i encountered many many different sort of broken homes and difficult situations that people were having and people who didn't know how to do relationships Mm -hmm. and Mm. i was uh kind of at a point where i was sort of losing faith in love itself, if that makes sense, yeah. which maybe that's approximately the same as losing faith in God in, in some mm-hmm. ways, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but for me, when I first started going to church and I met my first uh, mentor, my first pastor, and he started explaining to me the biblical view of marriage and of love and that sort of thing, it really kind of excited me because I thought that that's what love was supposed to look like. And mm. so I think that, right, you know, if you can model that, I mean, even when people who are coming from a secular context, when they model a biblical marriage, it tends to work better yeah. for them. And mm-hmm. it tends to be a beacon of light for yeah. their, definitely for their family and also for their community and the people around them. It gives people hope, you know, it, it gives people you know, maybe somebody is struggling with their marriage and they see the the Joneses down the street who are just really love each other. And mm-hmm. they, maybe they see them love each other even when they don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And they, they think, wow, that's a role model. Like that's yeah. right. So often what we call what we call in the, like what people in the secular world call role models. Mm-hmm. So often those are just people who are living out a Christ like mode of being mm-hmm. along one dimension of analysis or another. Yeah. And yeah. so there's this. um another very pragmatic and practical thing um there's this past i think it's in matthew it's either 19 20 or 21 one of those three chapters um jesus gives this parable right and it happens to be about a king which is convenient because that's what we're talking about right Mm -hmm. um and there's this king and this guy owes a debt right and it's um i think he ends up being like 4,000 lifetimes worth of debt is like what the math on it is. Um, obviously something you can never pay off. And it's like, and the king is like, hey, if you don't pay this off, you're going to jail and your children and your wife are going to jail too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, y'all need to pay this off basically. And it's like, obviously this guy could never pay it off because it's 4,000 lifetimes that he could possibly live and he only gets one to pay it off, right? <laughs> but the king just says, you know what? Because he pleaded with him and he said, please forgive my debt. Um, and the king had no obligation to, but he like freely and even though it wasn't even in his own good interest, you know, 
freed him of his debt, right? And then that guy went and there was a guy who owed him a, like a, a year's worth wage, which isn't like it's a lot, but it's not comparatively, it's yeah. not a big deal. Um, and he says, hey, give me my money, right? It's my money and I need it now kind of deal. Um, and he throws him in jail, right? And the king gets word of this and says, like, you wicked person, like, how mm-hmm. dare you, mm-hmm. right? But the whole point is, like, the the king in this story is, like, Jesus is telling this is, like, God is the king in this story and right. has been freely giving us um, paying the debt, right? Even though it bit him in the butt, literally, like, it cost him his own life mm-hmm. um, on the cross. It's like, and when we as Christian, like, we as Christians should be people who will freely give forgiveness, and we are often seen as the exact opposite of that. Yeah, and the sure. world needs forgiveness. Like, we don't know how to forgive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we ever did, but at least in my 26 <laughs> years of being on this earth, we don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to not hold anger against someone. Right. We don't know how to not be bitter against people. Like, um, there are so many ills of our current world that if we were good at forgiving, would not exist. Right, mm-hmm. right. And that's like, a, that's a very pragmatic thing, I think. I mean, it's hard to do, but it's very, like, pragmatic. Like, forgive people. Someone mm-hmm. bites you in the butt? Oh, yeah. Forgive them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hard. There's, there's plenty to forgive, too. So you can start anywhere. There's and... plenty to start with. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And uh, so I would just add also to that one reason I think why it's important to forgive people is because if you start feeling bitter and resentful, that's not just going to hurt the other person like you might want it to. It's really going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why it hurts you is because it makes the good things in your life seem a lot less evident to yourself. Mm. So if you're bitter and resentful, you're not going to notice a lot of the good things. Um, And so you're just, I mean, why would you want to do that to yourself where the the, (laughs) the, the little graces enjoy your life? Yeah. And, and I've, I've seldom met people who are very resentful and very bitter and mm-hmm. also thankful at the same time. Those two uh, emotions, could we call them emotions, maybe ways of thinking, seem to not want to coexist with each other, bitterness right. and thankfulness. And right. so if you or want happiness to, and bitterness, right. contentment and bitterness, yeah. they don't go right. well together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. The positives and the negatives, right? So I have one more thing I want to resurrect from the, the previous episode. <laughs> and, like um, and I think that this was an important point that we could just maybe tap into a little bit and we'll wrap on this. Uh, but it's just this, this idea of reinstatement. We talked a little bit about how Peter was reinstated for the three times that he denied Christ by being asked by Christ, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times intentionally as sort of like a reinstatement. And, I thought that was what I think that's really interesting about that is that not only does not only is God ready to reinstate you if you've made bad decisions like denying Christ the way that Peter did, but also if something bad has happened to you where you think that you're less than now or you're Mm -hmm. broken in some fundamental way, it's actually the case that God can also reinstate that. And I think that the way he would do that for you is... He would use your pain in such a way that you could have a unique perspective on helping others who are going through a similar pain or going through something similar. I think we saw a lot about a lot of this in relationship goals from, in some ways, from all of the speakers. But one that really stands out to me was Kendall whenever he gave his sort of backstory about himself. I told I remember I told him right after I was like, man, 
you were uniquely qualified mm-hmm. to give that message tonight. And people, you could tell in people, in, in their, their faces and in their reaction, that they, they knew he was coming from a place of understanding. And it's tragic that in this life, in order to tap into that understanding, so often we have to ha- experience those things ourselves. Yeah. But that is redemption. That's that's redemption from the suffering, right? So mm-hmm. like the crucifixion is the darkest moment in history, but out of the crucifixion, we get the greatest news the world has ever heard in the gospel. And that, yeah. that's like God redeeming. He can even redeem the crucifixion of Christ. He can mm-hmm. certainly redeem, you know, your trauma or your issues or things that have happened to you that aren't your fault, that make you feel like you're not enough or not that, that you're not able to be a Christian now because of these things. Not only yeah. could you be a Christian, but you might make a very excellent Christian because of the things that you've gone through. Yeah. I'm even call me Mr. Bold. I don't know. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> call me Mr. Bold. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. something else, but nothing came to mind. It was good. <laughs> but like, you know, I believe that God could even resurrect like the Democratic Party and the Republican mm-hmm. Party. Like, you know, that seems far worse than the Republican or Democratic Party or any presidential candidate or vice yeah. presidential candidates. Like mm-hmm. God can. I believe in an all powerful God and, you know that holds true for you know political tensions and that holds true for like seemingly mm-hmm. desperate and like different ideologies mm-hmm. it's like all the things that i hate like no god can do good things with even them mm-hmm. and it's like wow that's so hard because like i like to think of myself as a good person and right you know i've got all the right ideas it's like eh, most of my ideas are subpar at best but um you know, even God can take the opposites and the things that I hate and the things that I detest and say, like, there is good in this and you're missing it otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's no difference with, you know, so the election's coming up here in a few days and it's like to believe that God can't do something with whatever the outcome is. Right. means you believe in a pretty small and insignificant God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, that is not a territory I, like, want to wander down. For yeah. sure. One of the, um, so I've been reading through Proverbs lately, and it was interesting that I came across Proverbs 21, like, as soon as we were starting the We Need a King series, and this goes exactly with what you were saying, Caleb. Um, Proverbs 21, one says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Just that exact thought that, like, if we, if we don't think that God can do something, about a particular president or candidate making decisions that seem ungodly or incorrect and that he's so small as to not be able to turn it where he will, then, yeah, that, that, that's a heart check on us. Right. Like, just our basic understanding of who, of who God is, mm. not only in the midst of election or who rules the country, but just in general who God is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And I think, you know, one of the things that I see a lot out of people when we have these discussions about following Jesus and making Jesus our king in the midst of this political tension, I see a lot of, uh, like a lot of, like a sense of defeat, like a sense of resignation, like, well, that's a really nice thought, but listen, we're on a train with no brakes. Right. No, that's exactly what it seems like. Like, Oh, well, that would be nice yeah. if God could do like, something about that. But. Right. Like, how how much debriefing is it going to take to get these people to talk to each other again, mm. to even look at each other as human again? Mm. And there's a lot of sort of resignation there. And I would just say about that that we have an opportunity in this 
because we are in a situation where so many people believe that this is irreconcilable, that mm-hmm. America is irreconcilable. And, and if we have the faith to pursue this properly, then we can be the Christians who, through the power of Christ, reconciled the irreconcilable. Mm. We're, we're, we're able to take a situation that was dead in the water, that mm-hmm. was finished, that, that was, you know, generations were going to have to go by before people could agree with each other again. Mm. And maybe we can be the ones who help break that cycle and who and who uh and then if we if we are and if we come out on the other side of that then we will have that gift that you get when you go through the suffering when you go through the trauma of knowing that through the power of christ we can do anything and we have evidence of that because we did and that's a really good place to be and we can't get there unless we go through the difficulties and Mm -hmm. so that's a really good place to wrap this up i think um just another reminder for you guys if you're in the Indiana area, I would really encourage you to check out United on Tuesdays at 7.27 p.m. Uh, it's a really good experience. If you're new to church, if you've never been to church, I promise you, you're going to enjoy this. There's lots of people to meet. There's lots of people who would love to talk to you and get to know you. And there's a lot of really good... There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good... Uh, we're, I don't know. My <laughs> you can also come meet us. Yeah, we're not as yeah. cool, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Mr. Bold will Mr. be there. Mr. Bold. So, um, <laughs> um, and, oh, and, no. uh, I promise oh, no. you, you will have a good time full of lots of laughter like this. At least. Mm. <laughs> get, around, get around Street me Theater. for a hot yeah. Yeah. We'll laugh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Philadelphia Street Theater, Tuesday night, 727, Indiana, PA. Don't miss it. Thank go you. vote. Go vote. Go vote. Definitely. Oh wait, do we want to plug the? Uh, what week will this be released? Yeah, let's let's plug everything. Plug everything. Right. Hey, on the November third, um, come out. We're doing a worship and, and prayer night yeah, yeah. on election night in particular. This will be released. So um, this is gonna happen in the theater where we're meeting for United. It's also gonna happen at Grace United Methodist mm-hmm. Church, which is right on the corner of campus, so Seventh and Church Street. Um, they're gonna ha- be happening at seven fifty-seven to start mm-hmm. those services. We love those odd times, but it's because people remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a night for us to come together as a as a city, um, as a town, as a college campus, as people to pray for our nation mm-hmm. in the midst of this and say, God, we want what you want, mm-hmm. and whatever happens with the outcome, Lord, and we want to be led by you, not to hate other people, Lord, but yeah. to love them despite maybe voting differently. Right. So come come to that either at Grace United Methodist mm-hmm. Church or at the um, theater and on Philadelphia Street. We would love to have you. It's going to be a good time and go vote. And that's community wide, by the way. So like almost everything we've done to this point has been like, if you're 18 to 30, like bring your toddler. If you can't, if you don't have a babysitter or bring your grandma, like bring (laughs) bring your kids, bring your wife, (laughs) (laughs) bring everybody. So yeah, this, this is a community wide event. Um, Registration will be required for this event only so that we can operate within the maximal capacity regulations for COVID. For the COVID, indeed. So, oh, look at this. I'm using indeed now. I've been hanging out with you guys too much. (laughs) But um, the link for registration can be found on our Facebook um, or Instagram Instagram, uh, bio. That link is, is right there on Brush Fire. So, yeah, go vote, come pray, and come worship. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the ULOC podcast presented by United IUP. 
If you would like to join our community, visit unitediup.com or follow us on Instagram at unitediup. United meets every Tuesday at 727 p.m. in the Indiana Theater located at 637 Philadelphia Street in Indiana, PA. Come live United.